Hey folks, welcome back to Comic Sans, the podcast about comics for those who are sans knowledge. I'm Yen, and I like comic books. And I'm Nat, and um, I think I need to address the elephant in the room. Which, which is, is our feud, which is our long-standing no, feud, which caused I, this long break. Which is why my voice sounds so damn sexy today. Oh, um, or should, oh, I say, oh. should I say the horse in the room, because my, my voice is, is hot. No, you should stop talking about this. This is what no. you should do. Okay, but I, no, actually, Nat, that's a good point. I think you should rest your voice. You should just rest your voice for the rest of this episode. I'll take it from here. I wanted to talk about it because because before we get into today's very exciting bonus episode. Bonus. Bonus. I wanted to talk about the fact that... So I, my voice is like this because we had a grand night of, of merrymaking last Saturday celebrating the launch of Yen's newly launched novel... Cat Skull, and he's not going to want to talk about this much, but I wanted to shout it out. I don't know if you can get physical copies of it outside Singapore. Uh, no. Well, so this is only for our Singaporean <laughs> listeners or Singapore-based listeners, but it's a great novel. I had the privilege of reading early drafts of it. And to segue into the content of this podcast, I mean, I know you drew a lot of inspiration from the quintessential superhero comics that you've been reading your whole life. That is correct. And speaking of superheroes... What a segue. Uh, I, yeah, okay. <laughs> Just say thank you. Yeah, thank you, thank you. You know, I'm really hoping uh, the book gets that good old Comic Sans bump. Sales skyrocket <laughs> yeah. through the roof. <laughs> so let's explain why we're doing this bonus episode, folks. Because we're still preparing for season two. That's Nat right. and I are still charging up like uh, Super Saiyans. Nat, do you get that reference? Does that make any sense to you? Yeah, Dragon Ball Z. Great. Look great. at me. I mean, I don't wow. know what that actually means, but I know it's a Dragon Ball Z time. I'm glad you know that because season two is entirely going to be about Dragon Ball Z. Nice. Yeah, it's going to be good. While we were prepping, I watched Across the Spider-Verse and I thought, oh my goodness, we've got to talk about this movie. And so I said to Nat, you've got to go watch this movie and we're going to carve out some time in our busy schedules just so we can talk about the wonder of Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. Yeah, and I had every intention to watch it. And it was just difficult scheduling-wise, but Yen gave me that added incentive to go and catch it. So I caught it last night, and then we were very intentional about recording this very soon after I watched it. Due to, to my wonderful propensity and ability to remember things extremely well over extended periods of time. That's a wonderful way of putting it. Yeah, Nat's like the, the opposite of an elephant. What? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. An, an elephant never that forgets, but you always forget. If you just need me to like lay that out for you, what I was saying, just to be just be clear we've, on how that now, idiom works. We've now mentioned elephants twice in this podcast. Really? What was the other time? The elephant in the room. Oh, in this one episode? Man, yeah. this episode's gonna blow. <laughs> <laughs> so I watched Across the Spider-Verse last night. I will start by saying, I don't know if you want to lead with any questions, but I want to start by saying I loved it. I mean, obviously, I think we talked about in the Spider-Man episode of Comic Sense, episode mm-hmm. two in particular, I, I had briefly mentioned how much I loved Into the Spider-Verse that came out in 2018. Mm -hmm. I happened to watch it in New York, which made it all the more magical because you step out of the movie theater and you are literally... And I was living in Brooklyn at the time, Mm -hmm. you know, where Miles Morales lives. And so there there was that immediate physical connection to the space that made it all that magical. So I was really, really looking forward to see Across the Spider-Verse. And 
throughout the whole movie last night, I think I had a big smile plastered across my face, mm-hmm. apart from the few emotional moments. But you know, that was mm-hmm. it was a joyful experience. So yes, I'm looking forward to talk about it. Fun fact for the listener is that when Nat was living in Brooklyn, they shot a scene of Spider-Man Homecoming in yeah. the bodega downstairs. And he was so excited to watch the movie, only to find out that it was completely cut. <laughs> yeah, and that's how I also learned that sometimes in trailers, they put scenes that don't even appear in the movie because... Wait, you Sp- were in the trailer for Spider-Man Homecoming? Yeah, our bodega- You were playing the no, Green no. Goblin? Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Wow, I'm, I see why they cut it. I see why they cut it. No, my bodega featured in the trailer, uh-huh. but it just never made... The final Dang. cut. But actually, Nat would be probably the vulture or the rhino over the Green Goblin. You know, I'm not going to ask you to elaborate because I feel like it'll be very hurtful. Yeah, I, I do think so. I, I did say that with intent to hurt. <laughs> intent achieved. Well done. <laughs> I'm glad. Okay, let's talk about Across the Spider-Verse. I don't even really know where to begin. I've been gushing about it to every single person I see because I think it's possibly one of the greatest animated movies one and probably the best comic book movie we've ever had and you're talking specifically about across not the whole series of Spider- just across the spider-verse i mean there is okay let's get this out of the way folks this will be a spoiler filled episode oh for sure because we expect you to have watched it so if you haven't watched it yet pause this episode and then go watch it okay and then okay. come back. And then come back, yeah. okay? So if you have done that, okay, so Miles Morales <laughs> is the prowler. I hope you paused fast enough. <laughs> this is not just a spoiler-filled episode. This is a spoiler-heavy episode. Spoiler-led. Yeah, spoiler-led we are leading with spoilers in this episode. Okay, let, maybe let's start with like first impressions going in, at least for me. Okay, let's um, hear it. Because, hear so it. I, I watched it relatively late. And so I have been actively avoiding things on Twitter. But I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how you can do that because it's everywhere. I know. Right? I know. So anytime yeah. I see like the word Spider-Verse yeah. or like any clip or image, yeah. I just scroll past. Yeah. But two things I knew going in really was one, it was very good. Uh-huh. And two, and I'm only mentioning this because of my area of expertise, which is audio, and the sound mix had issues. Yes, that um, is correct. And, and to that be honest, correct. the version I watched last night, I'm not sure if it was the fixed one or the not fixed one because right. I did still notice some issues with like dialogue not really coming through and really quite varying levels of like dialogue yeah. volume, but it wasn't a deal breaker for me. So those were the pretty much the only two things I knew going in. Which is really funny to me because that day I was browsing through Twitter and I like saw a GIF and I loaded it and it was literally Miles in the Prowler mask coming off. And I was like, what? But you Why see, would you put that online? Knowing me, if even if I had seen that... Oh yeah, that, if you seen that, it would have meant nothing to yeah, you. Yeah, it would have yeah. meant nothing. Like, you would have been like, oh, that's probably from Pixar and Disney's Elemental. <laughs> so on this, on this sound mix issue, so I've seen the movie twice. I saw it on opening weekend in the United States of America. And then I saw it maybe a week or two later in Thailand. And I'm pretty sure I saw it with different mixes. Oh, really? And that is also to say I did actually enjoy the first mix. Because what they said, what they described it, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, two of the directors, producers, writers, not the only directors, not the only writers, but they said that first mix was prioritizing music. Because the movie has an incredible soundtrack led by Metro Boomin, a wonderful producer. And so they wanted to lead with the music. And so that first bit with the drumming with Gwen on the sticks. Amazing scene. In- incredible scene. We'll talk scene. about that in a second, yes. But when I watched it, you could really barely hear what Gwen was saying in it. But the drums were just coming through. And honestly, that was more than enough. Because the emotion was there in the movement and all of that. That you didn't really need to hear exactly what she was saying. You were getting the idea of it. 
Right. Then I definitely watched the fixed one because I could kind of hear what she was saying. Yeah. It, was, it was pretty clear to me. So, so when I watched it in Thailand, I was like, these drums are too soft. Turn it up. <laughs> turn it up. Turn my headphones up. Should we start there? The opening scene? Okay, actually before that, maybe, and, and then it will lead into the opening scene. Okay, okay. I want to talk a bit about my experience watching Into the Spider-Verse compared to Across the Spider-Verse because mm-hmm. something that happened in between is I read some comics, right? In this podcast. So I watched Into the Spider-Verse and I loved it for mm-hmm. what I saw it as being, which right. was an incredible animated film. Just raw that, as a movie. Yeah, right? that yeah. took incredible creative risks yeah. and did things that we've never seen before in animated yeah. films. Yeah. But maybe I didn't get, I think, no, not maybe, I definitely didn't get a lot of the connections to yeah, I'm the, comic, sure. yeah, I the can, comic book medium other than the very explicit, obvious ones. I, yeah, I would put like $1,000 down that you didn't get most of the comic I mean, book I stuff. I mean, I put $2,000 yeah. down. Okay, well, yeah. that's a good pot for the podcast and that's okay. going to fund season two. So if you want to win this $3,000... Make sure you tune into season two. So yeah, and then you know, we did Comic Sans and then I watched Across the Spider-Verse and I, I would say like my appreciation for what they're doing yeah. doubled, yeah. tripled. Wonderful. Just because of that exposure I had to the comic book form. I mean, and then now segueing to that first scene and in general, Gwen's world. Yes. Right, the art oh, style. Yes. The art style of Gwen's world. Let's get into this. Let's get into this. Okay. It's so good. The colors, the lighting. So there are five major worlds in Across the Spider-Verse. We open with Gwen's world, and then we go into Miles Morales' world, and then there is Mumbathan, which is the land of Spider-Man India. Mumbai and Manhattan that is correct. together. That is correct. And then there is the Spider Society, which is in the year 2099. And then the final one is Earth-42 which is the alternate universe where there is no Spider-Man. And then there are little ones all in between, scattered in between like the Lego one. There's blinks There's blinks yeah. of other ones. But yeah. in interviews and stuff, Phil Lord and Chris Miller have talked about how with these five worlds, they were like, okay, let's really push each of them to extremely distinct visual spaces, mm-hmm. right? And so if we look at Gwen Stacy's world, right, the specific approach is like painterly, yeah, right? And the idea was that the, the colors in the background are reflecting the inner emotional state of Gwen Stacy. And what's really incredible about it also is that that is pulling directly from the art of Robbie Rodriguez, who is one of the creators of Spider-Gwen. And all his covers and his colors were all like colored like that. And there's, there's frames of it when you're, I was like, oh my gosh, that's the exact cover. you know. And it's, it's just a beautiful thing to see them pull from the comics. It is also a little bit complicated because you also know that any work for Marvel is work for hire. Right? Mm. And so they don't see any piece of the pie right. for their art being used right. other than the gratification of seeing it being done in such a loving way. And you, you hope that's enough. But, you know, there's also this whole conversation about comic book artists and compensation mm. that Marvel in particular has done a very poor po- job of doing in the past. What I loved about it is literally from shot to shot, yeah, the colors would change like yes. specifically what I noticed a lot was color of her hair yeah. right so obviously like she's blonde yeah. but in one shot from a certain angle it'd be green the next shot it'd be like blue right. but it didn't feel incongruous it didn't feel like random yeah. it felt very intentional to the emotion of that moment yes. or to whatever was being said or done in that moment and I can't remember if there was any comic book we read in season 1 that, that did something similar with sort of the lighting and like that kind of really pushing the colors. I, I feel like there was, but I can't remember right now. And I'm not putting you on the spot, but yeah. Yeah, I know. I feel like perhaps Law Olympus. Maybe, yes, yeah. yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, in terms of a similar painterly style. And, and I think that's like, 
you know, we we joked about this being a spoiler-led episode, but the truth is, if we led with the spoilers, this episode would suck because <laughs> the whole point of Across the Spider Verse is how they're doing it. Right. That's why it's a movie that people are going to go watch two, three, four times because each time you watch it, you're going to notice something new, right? And so how. Agwen's emotions being portrayed. They're being portrayed in the background. They are being presented with the face lines blurring. You know that lovely scene when she comes back to see her dad. Okay. Oh, it's literally in my notes here. Hug dad scene. Yeah. You know you open with the drums and the franticness yes. and the colors and the paneling and then that moment when she hugs her dad. Yeah. It's just that wide shot. Yeah. Everything goes white. Yeah. It's just. No, it's amazing. It's, it's amazing. It's, it's fantastic. It's and, amazing. And just going back to that start of it, one of the... You know, we could gush about this movie for like three hours, but we're not going to do that. The opening sequence, right, of Gwen's world before we even move into Miles' story, right, feels like a movie in itself, right, before the title even drops. Because there's things like they use things that they've already set up in like the first 30 seconds. So yeah. like, there's that moment when the helicopter blade is whirring, right? Mm -hmm. And Gwen's looking at it and then she has the drumstick spinning on her hand on one hand. And then the on the other side, it's the helicopter blade spinning. Yeah. Right? And it's just like, you you didn't even have to do that. <laughs> you know, this is, you, you didn't have to go that hard, really. And then when the title drops, right? The audience I was in, in Chicago especially, because it was like opening night, was yeah. really like, there was like a collective exhale. Because we were like, oh my, we are in that's for just a time. The that's just the opening <laughs> scene. If it cut to the credits there, we'd have all been like, hey, that was pretty good, huh? <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> Still going on that same visual language, right? The vulture in that sequence. The Renaissance vulture. Yeah. The way he's quite literally looks like he's made of paper. Yeah, and it's he, like stop motion-y a bit. Yeah. Just insane stuff. Just, yeah. just some insane Super stuff. Cool. So there's, there was over a thousand animators who worked on Spider-Verse. Across the Spider-Verse. That's insane. And from what I've read, it was done largely remotely. I don't think they ever got everyone. I don't. There was never a time when everyone was in the same space. Oh, and the other thing I did read before going in yeah. was that the Lego part was animated by some 14-year-old kid, right? Oh, yeah. that That's just bonkers, right? So he animated the trailer in Lego. Like he replicated the he trailer it, in like, Lego. for yeah. fun. And then they were like, hey, come on, buddy. Come <laughs> on. Show us what you got. And then he did that Lego bit. And that Lego bit is so funny. When he changes to the suit when in, he the, in the, the stall. Suit, and then he's got the little sound effect when he lives. Boop, boop. <laughs> so good. Hey folks, Yen from the future here. Not quite Yen 2099, but still future Yen. I'm interrupting the naivete of past Yen to shed a little detail on the working conditions from Across the Spider-Verse, which was released in a report by Vulture of the magazine, not Renaissance Variety, a few days after Nat and I recorded. The report from anonymous artists who worked on Across the Spider-Verse cited arduous conditions under Lord and Miller's supervision of 11-hour days for seven days a week and an unsustainable process of development, revisions, and revision again, with 100 of the 1,000 artists leaving production before completion. As artists ourselves, we always believe the artist matters more than the art and hope that the next film is made with more respect and empathy for the people who make it, and if that means taking longer, then we celebrate that. Also, I mistakenly refer to Phil Lord and Chris Millers as the writer-directors of this film. They are the writer-producers. The directors of the film are actually Joaquim Dos Santos, Kemp Powers, and Justin K. Thompson. Now, back to our regularly scheduled enthusiasm for a movie we can love and cherish and also acknowledge and criticize the problems of how it was made. So, so on this, back to this five-world thing, right, in the different visual styles of it. So we have Gwen's world, which is this pink, blue, the palettes are different, very painterly. We've got... Miles' original world, which is like basically riffing off stuff from the first movie, which yep. is kind of modern, interesting city textures. Yeah. Mumbatton, which is very like beige, bright, shining, sunny, 
Spider Society, which was like blue and all of that, and Earth 42. And so this is one of those things where you're like, oh man, when you're watching it the second time. So the second Miles arrives in his in the in the final act arrives where he thinks his home again. You can see clearly that him and Gwen are not in the same universe. Because the entirety of Earth 42 is tinged purple and red. Mm. Purple, red, and black, the Prowler's colors. Mm. The whole thing is set up, right? It's just such an immensely rewarding experience because you're going to pick up on these clues and be like, oh, wait, oh my gosh, that's so obvious. I should have known already. Right. Yeah. I mean, since we talked a bit about the ending, I want to ask a plot question. Yes. And again, we're assuming you've already seen this, but just to do a very quick recap, the movie ends with Miles realizing that he was bit by a spider that wasn't from his dimension. Yes. And so when he was sent home through this machine in the spider society, he was sent to the wrong dimension. He was sent to the dimension of the spider that bit him. Yes. I'm just wondering, is that like canon? Like, is that from the comics? (laughs) What a great question, Nat. So some people have asked me, I've loved Across the Spider-Verse. What should I read? (laughs) Nothing. (laughs) Just go watch it again, folks. There is literally no comic that encompasses all the things that the movie goes through. Right. Right. The original Spider-Verse... You mean there's no Peter Parked car comic? Oh, no. So every character that's in the movie has appeared somewhere else. Oh, really? So every single Spider-Man... No, so every single one of those is real. Peter Parked car is real? Peter Peter Parked car. It's real? Yes. 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 Can you please read that for season two? (laughs) (laughs) I think it may have been like a Hot Wheels spinoff. So he may not have had like a book. But they didn't invent any Spider-Man for this wow. movie. Wow. Yeah. And so I'm, I was sitting there watching it and I was like, oh, I know that guy. 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 Anyway, so people, yeah. If you're wondering what should you read after Across the Spider-Verse, truly, there's no single book that you can do. What I would recommend, right, is you can read eight different comic books. Okay, You, you can read like Spider-Gwen, Ultimate Spider-Man, Spider-Verse, Spider-Men, Spider-Man India, Spider-Man 2099, Spider-Geddon, perhaps. Maybe you don't have to. Ultimate Spider-Man, Miles Morales. You read all eight of those books, right? But you have them all out laid in front of you in this massive table and you turn them (laughs) one page at a time. Like they did in the movie. They had all these comic books laid out. Yeah. Like that. Because the stuff they are doing in the movie, it's the best kind of thing you want to see from an adaptation, right? They are pulling from those comics and they are synthesizing into something that looks like they're all connected. They have never been connected. Mm. In fact, so the original Spider-Verse comic, let's talk about this real briefly. Okay, the original Spider-Verse comic is about actually this group of like cosmic beings called the Inheritors who are like weirdly Aryan and they are hunting spider people across the multiverse. And so all the Spider-Men have to unite so that they can stop the Inheritors. Okay, so that exists in the comic book world. That exists in the comic books, but there is no Inheritor in sight in the movie. Yeah. Instead, we have canon. We, so canon events, not in Spider-Verse in the comics. Right. In fact, the role that Spider-Man 2099, um, Miguel O'Hara, I don't mm-hmm. even know if they call him Spider-Man 2099 no, in the movie. They, okay, so I didn't see that. So to, to be clear, so Spider-Man 2099 is Miguel O'Hara, Spider-Man of the future, the sexy Spider-Man. Damn sexy. Oh, and um, his, his claws? So cool. <laughs> that was a tweet. I'm sorry to recite a tweet on a podcast, everyone. Please forgive me. But the tweet was something like, I haven't seen Spider-Verse yet, but I'm really excited to see this character, Miguel, and what he looks like with his clothes on. <laughs> anyway, the role that uh, Miguel plays in the movie is kind of the hard-ass is actually, in the comics, played a little bit more by 
the Superior Spider-Man, which is this event when Peter Parker's brain gets swapped with Otto Octavius. Wait, his actual name is the Superior Spider-Man? He calls himself the Superior Spider-Man because he's kind of a meanie. It's a bad boy. He, yeah, well, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and and so that role of like the guy who's going to make the tough call mm-hmm. is played by that character. But there's no Superior Spider-Man here because that is also an incredibly complicated thing to get into in this movie which is already so dense and filled with so many things. But it doesn't feel dense. Like, I feel they handle the magnitude and just the sheer number of characters being introduced with such skill and such finesse. Yeah. Like, okay, in comparison, I watched The Flash. Oh, boy. Okay, I haven't seen The Flash. We're not going to talk about this, you know, in great detail, but I watched The Flash, like, a week before this, and... There were like five characters, right? There's like the Flash and then there's like the Flash from another universe. Okay, and then spoilers like, for the Flash. And then there's like Supergirl and then there's like Batman, right? Yeah. And yeah. Then like, but that alone, it felt... Well, I think Superwoman. I think you are infantilizing this character, but that's fine. I think she went by Supergirl in them. Oh, well, I wouldn't know. I haven't seen the movie. I tried. I, I took a swing at cancelling you and I may have missed. I may have hooked the fist around and punched myself in the face. <laughs> I can't remember. Anyway, so... But it just felt like there was too much going on. Right. But then in Across the Spider-Verse, you had like 20 times the number of characters. But at no point did anyone feel like they weren't supposed to be there. Right. And we can take that to the writing where each of these characters are so distinct, right? And then... And yeah, they're all Spider-something. They're all Spider-something. But then we can also look at, again, the visual style, right? And so now we're transitioning to my favorite character from the movie. My absolute favorite character from the movie. Can you guess who it is? Donald Glover. <laughs> it, it, that is, it is the actor Donald Glover, not the character he's playing in the movie. Did he have a name? He was just sitting there. He's the Prowler. Oh, that wasn't clear to me. <laughs> oh man, you are you are just a. <laughs> I'm not supposed to say that word. <laughs> it's it's Spider Punk. Ah, but you didn't you Hobie. didn't see that coming, Hobie. Hobie. I mean, Hobie. Yeah, he's cool. He was so cool. I and understood then, about sixty percent of what he said. Yeah, so there's, there's already <laughs> clips of like. Here's every time Hobie appears with subtitles. (laughs) But his visual style of like this sort of collage, almost like he looks like a zine almost, right? Yeah. Which again then relates to what the character is, which is anti-establishment, anti-authority, just something totally outside of the box, something that's beyond convention, which then relates to how that character interacts with the world, which is that's how he behaves as well, Mm. right? And so we're not just talking about distinct characters on the script. We're talking about when we're looking at them, we can feel them be different, you know, like Miguel's cool claws and tiny waist, which makes him <laughs> the sexy, sexy Spider-Man. The sexy Spider-Man. Yeah. Hobie is really something. And I kept noticing, like you said, the square or the rectangle around his guitar. Yeah. Like his guitar always had like an outline yes. or like some yeah. sort of like box around it. I mean, he's out of sync, especially once they go to Spider Society, right? He doesn't feel that out of place in Mumbatan. Yeah. But once they're in Spider Society, when everything, all the lines are so clean and crisp, right? Hobie is so clearly out of place which is then perfect for what he does Mm. and how he fits Mm. into the story Mm. within spider society who's my favorite character yeah who's your favorite character net oh man i I feel like i've got a guess i've got a guess okay you guess first okay okay. now i'll decide whether you're right i think it's miles's dad (laughs) freak you (laughs) you know just because i have dad energy yeah 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 no no Miles' dad gets, it's a bit annoying okay well then I'm gonna say um, I mean, the I think spot Peter Park car is pretty up there Peter Park car is pretty Peter good Peter Park car the, the, the T-Rex is pretty up oh, there oh the T-Rex was pretty nuts man <laughs> the T-Rex is pretty nuts oh I really like Gwen la. I think, yeah I Gwen think is such a strong character Gwen just yeah as a character her backstory her relationship with her father that opening scene yeah 
like we already talked about it, but it just gets you right in the heart, and then they drop the title yeah, credits. Yeah. And and just how swiftly it moves through these emotional beats. Yeah, that really endear you to the character. So I'm gonna throw some little quick facts for you about sure. the many Spider-Man that appear. Okay, so Spider-Man India is from a comic book called Spider-Man India that was co-created by a Bollywood writer slash director in collaboration with Stan Lee. It's a book from I think the 2000s or something. It's no, it's nobody's favorite Spider-Man book. <laughs> it's a very odd. Like it, and the movie, I, I feel like he's nobody's favorite as well. He has this like I, naivete about him, like sure, yeah. You know, like, but I think they bring a lot of things to the character within the movie that are not in the comic book. Oh, okay. Just like the style, the visual style of it, the way he has those kind of the yo-yo things. <laughs> I saw this thread on Twitter of all the different influences from Indian society that he's taking in the costume from both North and South. Oh, so that's not in the comics. He does have like a in quotation marks Indian costume in the comics, but he looks really a little bit more like Aladdin. <laughs> okay. All right. Then. Okay. Um, so the web slinger, which is the cowboy Spider-Man. Ah, oh yes. With the horse? With the horse. Um, <laughs> with the horse with the mask. It, it, yes, with the horse with the mask is voiced by Taron Killam, who is formerly from Saturday Night Live, who also in a like Edge of Spider-Verse comics, because when they did Spider-Verse, they had all these like offshoot titles of like, different Spider-Man would have like a five-page story somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so one of them was the Web Slinger and Taron Killam wrote that. And so mm. when they decided the Web Slinger was going to be in the movie, the directors went to Taron and said, hey, do you want to voice it? That's nice. Okay. So there's Ben Riley. Do you remember Ben Riley? I remember the Ben, yes. Okay, okay. The, the one that was like moping, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. So Ben Riley is voiced by Andy Samberg doing, oh. doing essentially a Nicolas Cage impression, which is funny when you consider that Nicolas Cage is in The Flash also yes. elsewhere. Um, also doing right a Nicolas Cage impression. Doing a Nicolas Cage impression, <laughs> but perhaps doing a worse Nicolas Cage impression. <laughs> Probably. So so Ben Riley. this is yet another one of the reasons why I say there's no point in trying to read a comic that's going at the level that Across the Spider-Verse is. Yeah. It's because, well, Ben Riley is a product of the 90s. And who the character is, is he's a, I'm probably going to get this wrong. It's okay, I wouldn't know. That's true. That's true. And and listeners, if you get this right and I get this wrong, look at your life. <laughs> There's a moment where Peter Parker suddenly got really dark and mean and his personality kind of changed. And then it was explained away that Peter Parker was actually cloned and replaced by a clone of himself who was like trying to go down a darker direction. Uh-huh. And that character then eventually got his own life as Ben Riley. And so it's just this super convoluted story, right? And so it really... And then he gets like five seconds. Oh, he got a, he got a bit more. No, he's got a bit. He's got a substantial chunk in the movie. But yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. everything he's doing is kind of a riff off of that edgy tone, right? Because he's like, my feelings, my muscles. And you see the way he's lined, the way they do the shadows in him and the yeah. textures on him is very much emblematic of comic books from the 90s. Of when every character's neck was as big as their bicep. And then their neck was huge. <laughs> And so I've been saying there's no point in trying, oh no, please go read Spider-Man comics. But just know the reason I keep saying this thing about how you cannot read a comic that's doing what Across the Spider-Verse is doing is because Across the Spider-Verse is doing things that only an animated film can do, right? And this is part of the question we're always having at Comic Sans. We're talking about what are the things that this comic book is doing that only a comic can do? So there's definitely comics out there. There's definitely Spider-Man comics out there that are doing things with the form that are exciting, but they don't have the same tools that the animated film has in motion, right? And they can't really emulate 
the way that the animated film Across the Spider-Verse is pulling from the comics. Well, riffing off of that, I want to present a potentially controversial opinion Let's hear it. to you. Okay. Potentially. Okay. You know, so typically when one medium is adapted to another, right? Yeah. So you take a comic book like Spider-Man, you adapt it for live yeah. action films. Yeah. Like all the Spider-Man movies we've seen before, you know, they're completely different mediums, right? Mm-hmm. Like one is literal human beings acting and one is a comic book yeah. illustrations. Yeah. And so, you know, you would see them as, okay, these are two different treatments of this material. They're incomparable, uh-huh. right? But what happens with both Into the Spider-Verse and Across the Spider-Verse is that in paying homage to the comic book medium in such an overt mm-hmm. and beautifully done way, but because it's so explicit and in your face, even you know introducing the panels and, and all these things, right. it's impossible not to compare it to the comic book medium, right? It demands to be compared in some way, uh-huh. right? And, and of course, like you said, mm-hmm. it's still being a film, an animated film, there are things that it can do that comic books can't do. Right. And, and what I'm getting at when I'm saying this is, and, and you're gonna, I think you're not gonna like this, but oh, I, for boy. me, when I was watching Across the Spider-Verse, I'm like, this is what I was missing when I was reading comics. Because it felt like, oh, it felt God, like- You make me sick, No, man. I'm gonna, me I'm out. gonna puke on this mic. It felt like it completed the comic book form for me. And I know that's not a fair statement. I know it's not right. a fair statement, but it's like, it's almost like when I'm reading a comic book on a page, it, it's doing its best to emulate or to represent movement uh-huh. and sound uh-huh. and music and emotion through uh-huh. those things. And then the animation film takes those visuals uh-huh. and then brings in all those things that are missing, uh-huh. right? It, no, no longer do they need to show movement through movement lines. Right, you right. know The dynamism is completed, quote unquote, uh-huh. in the animated film that I felt like, wow, this is, this is great. I felt like it's the, it's the elevated comic book form, oh, if that makes sense. Oh. Okay. Well, okay, no, but I think what you're missing is that the idea that something is missing, that it needs to be filled in, is an issue, right? Yeah, for sure. Because Across the Spider-Verse is an incredible movie and it's an incredible piece of art, but there isn't much left for me to fill in watching it. Yeah. I'm not a participant in it, mm. right? It is happening with or without me. I do not have to keep hitting play. I can't go to like frame to frame, right? Yeah. But with the comic book, I'm a participant. I'm imagining what the voice sounds like, right? I am an active creator of this work in a way that a film never will be. And those are two totally separate things. I think I don't agree that it's asking to be compared to a comic book. It's asking you to have the vocabulary of the comic book in your head to see how it resonates with this movie. But it's not saying, look at this, look at this, huh? Your comic books can't do this. <laughs> I think it's also a, it's an issue of personal taste, right? And what kind of consumer you are like are you the kind of consumer that likes to fill in the gaps and i think you know that varies from medium to medium that varies from person to person some people i think are very passive consumers who kind of just want to have everything given to them and i think movies and that's you i want to say at all no, times uh, yeah lazy consumers <laughs> you know i think movies do that yeah to, to a large degree but yeah I, I think that was interesting to me I, I swear if we do season two of comic sense and every episode ends with nat going yeah, but it's not as good as Across the Spider-Verse. You, you, can, you can charge me for homicide. This is my confession. This is my, it, this like, is my admission of guilt. Yeah, when, it's, it's good, but, but they're not moving. <laughs> Where's the Metro Boomin soundtrack? <laughs> the drumstick isn't spinning. <laughs> We're also talking about why Across the Spider-Verse works in a way that I think Spider-Man No Way Home doesn't work. Did you watch No Way Home? Yep. I don't, I, I don't think this is that hard to take. I don't think No Way Home is a very good movie. I think it's a really great roller coaster ride, but I don't think it's doing anything as a film. Like it's not using the elements, the tricks that it has. 
other than like cheap people cameos, like human beings. Right. Right. Whereas Across the Spider-Verse is taking every single opportunity, every frame is like, how can we do this in the most interesting way with the medium that we're using? I mean, No Way Home is also a sort of, it's symptomatic of the bigger issue with what Marvel is doing yeah. with the comic book material. And, and I think from what I understand about Flash, that's just a continuation of it, right? Yeah. Where the excitement from the multiverse comes from, let's drop a face who you haven't seen in a while. <laughs> or or never seen at all, i.e. Nicolas Cage. <laughs> Rather than what Across the Spider-Verse is doing, which is the multiverse thematically is asking Miles, who does he want to be? Who can he be? That's so much more interesting than, hey, it's, it's Toby. Yeah, I think it's it's just a much more sensitive and intelligent treatment of the multiverse, right? Well, it's, it's not just it's, a tool. It's, it's, it's insulated. It's not yeah. leaning on external things. Yeah. And it's especially not leaning on things which are like an outside viewer will not even get. So like Nat didn't know, and I, I don't know if people know this, but Nicolas Cage is in The Flash because he was cast as Superman a long time ago in a Justice League movie that never got made. But the average viewer doesn't know that. So they're just like, oh, that's that's Nicolas Cage, I guess. Yeah. yeah. What the MCU and, and now DC is doing is they're using the multiverse as a bridge to connect these things that were never meant to be connected in the first place. Yes. Right? Like yeah. these things, like Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, there was no plan for them to meet. Yes. Right? Yeah. And then the multiverse became this convenient thing to be like, hey, we can like bridge these things that were never meant to be bridged. Yeah. Right? Versus in the Spider-Verse series, it's been there from the start and it's fully insulated, like you said. Yeah, because it, it's yeah. tied directly to the characters and their journeys. At the same time though, right, we're ragging on the MCU for doing things like that. It's not like Across the Spider-Verse doesn't do it, but because it does it in such blips, it, yeah. it's still like, enjoy so one of them we already brought up was Donald Glover in the Spider Society captured as the Prowler. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, do you know this story about I Donald don't. Glover and Miles Morales? Okay, this is a great story. When they were about to work on Amazing Spider-Man, which is one that Andrew Garfield was in, Donald Glover, or I think it was during those filmings, Donald Glover said, I should be Peter Parker next. Mm. And Bold. Bold, right? Bold. But nobody really took him up on it. And then in an episode of Community, which Donald Glover was a star of, he wakes up one morning in Spider-Man pajamas. Nice. Okay. And Brian Michael Bendis, who we've talked about, who wrote mm -hmm. Ultimate Spider-Man, mm -hmm. watches that episode and thinks, hey, that's a pretty cool idea. And he comes up with Miles Morales. Wait, what? Yeah. So, so this this moment where Donald Glover appears in Across the Spider-Verse is this full circle moment of things coming back around. So even though it is a cameo, for the people who know that, that's just like an insane fact. And also because in, in Homecoming, Donald Glover does appear as well as Uncle Aaron. Wait, so Miles Morales is so new? Miles Morales is an extremely new character. He's The turnover from him into movie is like really fresh oh and that's, so that's new to me we talked about the ultimate spider-man universe so when the ultimate universe became too heavy they were like okay we need a new entry point and then brian michael bendis is like what about this new spider-man what about miles morales and then that became the new jumping in point for the ultimate universe and then miles morales became so popular that they were like okay we gotta bring him to the main universe again and so it's, mm. it's a very convoluted mm. thing about marvel editorial and, and things like that that kind of just blends into this movie talking about easter eggs there's also the ps4 spider-man who's in it i don't know if you noticed that now that you mention it yeah i think i know who you're talking about i yeah. didn't recognize it at the point of time they're very blocky no 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 so that's the spectacular spider-man which is from a cartoon oh okay so in the second the frame right before donald glover they say something about uh we've got a video game one we've got oh, a video game guy yes yes and yes, this yes, guy yes. goes who me and it's the which is also funny i mean just the layers of details in this yeah. movie because earlier in the movie when miles gets back to his dorm his roommate 
if you look at the TV, is playing Spider-Man on the PS4. Oh, I missed that completely. Which then for me is like, no, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> How can Spider-Man be real? And then you've got the exact same game. I'm not saying they wouldn't <laughs> have the not, game. Totally I'm not would. saying they wouldn't have the game, but I'm saying some of the features would have to be a little bit different. I was kind of, I mean, because I was so invested in the movie, right? Like I wasn't keeping track of time. And then it ended. It ended on Okay, this, yeah, let's talk about the cliffhanger. Let's on this talk about complete cliffhanger, which I feel, and you watch a lot more films than me, yeah. especially superhero films. Yeah. We've almost gotten used to like the arc of the film yeah. being completed within yeah. the film. And then, sure, there's a cliffhanger that comes either at the end or in some post credit scene that leads to the next thing. But, yeah. you know, usually the narrative arc is completed within, the, in this case. No, not at just, all. Not they even just slightly. stopped yeah. halfway. So, not everyone is a fan of that. Yeah. I didn't know there was going to be a third one going in, but I realized once we got to Earth 42, I was like, oh no, this is still going. Like it's this two, is still two, two going. Hours in and yeah, then. we're not done here. But my argument, and because I was trying to understand, okay, it's a cliffhanger. This kind of speaks to the same things that upset me about other franchises where everything feels like, oh, it has to connect together. But like, why couldn't this movie just finish in itself? But I didn't have any of those grievances with this film. And a big part of that reason, what I've understood for myself is that it's because the emotional arcs of the characters are complete, mm. right? Gwen goes through a full arc in the movie, and so does Miles, right? Because even though where we are plot-wise... With, with, with regard to Spot. Yeah. yeah, with regards to Spot and Prowler Miles Morales and Earth-42, we don't know what's going to happen next. We already have had Miles go through the keeping the secret from his parents, not sure how to connect with them, risking it all for them coming back and telling his mom he's Spider-Man well the wrong mom even though it's not really his mom but he does that right and so in that way the character is emotionally that arc is emotionally satisfying mm. same thing with Gwen and her dad right she runs away from him and then she they reconnect later and he accepts her do you think that the whole cliffhanger to be continued thing is also a sort of homage to the comic book form oh I think that's a good assessment I mean you see how they do it also that's exactly yeah. what it looks like yeah, that's yeah. the box that text box to be continued like right? that last frame with like Prowler Miles Morales fist next to his face yeah. I, I can't remember that was the last last frame yeah. like that would be a full page spread yeah. you know on the last page of a comic book yeah, and then yeah. to be continued right? oh the image where they're both facing each other and we see the same face on ah, both of them yeah, yeah, that yeah, would yeah, be yeah. the two page spread and yeah. then to be continued yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah that was interesting to me because I just felt like I've not seen something like that in a long long time but that's because you didn't watch Fast X, which is the movie I watched like two days before Across the Spider-Verse. Also ended with a cliffhanger. I did not know it ended with a cliffhanger. Yeah, stay tuned for our next podcast series, Fast and Furious Sands. Because I've not watched a single one. Do you know this? That's, well, you know, I'm discovering there's many people like you and less people like me. But I've watched Fast X with my sister who hasn't seen a single one of the movies. And the whole time I was like, okay, that guy died. That guy was evil. That guy's died twice. <laughs> He's always eating. That's a franchise that just, it's just like, it baffles me. Okay, so so usually we end every episode with me asking that, did you enjoy it and will you keep reading, right? Yes. Oh, do you see the value of this, yeah, yeah. Of this project? Which became, do you, did you enjoy it like towards the last few episodes? Yeah, yeah. And so now, Nat, did you enjoy Across the Spider-Verse? I'm going to have to think really, really hard about yeah, this yeah. one. I think you really consider um, it, really consider it. But after a, a very deep and ponderous consideration, I think yeah. my answer would be yes. So for the listener, you don't know that actually Nat sat there in silence for about 30 minutes. <laughs> I had to go do some errands. I had to go do some... I came back, he was still he sitting in silence. Showers. I took a lot of showers. <laughs> 
Okay, and and are you gonna be are you gonna be in cinemas for Beyond the Spider Verse? Hell yeah. yeah! And I'm surprised. It's okay, watch out, your language. It's coming watch out, your language. <laughs> it's coming out next year, apparently. Yeah, I'm super excited for it, and I hope it delivers. Yeah, it's Man, it's that's, it's got um, a lot to live up to. That's part of the thing, though. Like, oh, if they don't stick the landing by virtue of this being a cliffhanger, it will retroactively affect how we feel about this film. I mean, you and I both know how hard it is to write an act two. <laughs> <laughs> And we also know how hard it is to write a good third movie because we watched The Rise of the Skywalkers <laughs> together and we walked in and I, I think we walked Okay, out. but they changed directors so, you know, and writers so... And we booed. <laughs> so, so, you know, we can't compare. I mean, has the writing team been consistent throughout? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the writing team has largely been consistent. The director is, is... The director's different but the director for the first movie was still a producer on this one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that shows... Yeah, um, just, there's just a consistency, the consistency in style, and, yeah. and there's a deliberateness that it's you. Now you can go back and watch Into the Spider Verse and be like, "Oh my gosh, they were setting up all of this," which is crazy. Because when you watch Into the Spider Verse, you're like, "That's it, that's perfect, full movie, yeah, done." Okay. An hour and forty minutes, yeah, great. And and now, but now if you go back and look at it, you're gonna see, oh, actually, they were setting up the seeds for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, folks, please, please, if you haven't already, firstly, why are you listening to this? Yeah. <laughs> But if you haven't already, please go and watch Across the Spider-Verse. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if when this comes out, whether let's it's give, still... Let's give Across the Spider-Verse the Comic Sans boost. The Comic boost. Sans boost. That's what they need right now. But honestly, watch it in the cinemas if you can. Yeah. Because yeah. this is a big screen experience. It's true. It's this true. is a big screen experience. Don't watch it on a plane. Oh, man, you're if you gonna, watch it on a plane, oh, man. you can unsubscribe from us on Spotify. Yeah, I was going to say something <laughs> terrible about that. So I'm not, I'm not going to say that. Just don't watch it on a plane. <laughs> Oh, and on that lovely note with that wonderful cautionary PSA. We hope you enjoyed this bonus episode. But bonus. I don't know why you keep doing that. I don't know where it's from either. I don't think I should do it. <laughs> um, if you want to see more of these bonus episodes, drop us an email at undustproductions at gmail.com. Oh, you gotta shout out the email. But honestly do, because yeah, we're still working towards season two. And where and what that will look like. And this is just something we wanted to throw together really quickly, yeah. just because of, you know, the topical nature of the movie. But if you want to see more of these kind of things, comic tangentials. Mm-hmm. Kind wow, of, interesting. Is that a good? Is that a good series name? I don't know. Um, but let's, let's stick to the one we have. <laughs> what is the one we have? Comic Sans. <laughs> no, but like the series name, you know. It's oh, like, it's like, okay. It's a bonus app. Whatever. You're, oh no, you're talking about making us into uh, a podcast universe. <laughs> the the APU the Andas <laughs> podcast the, universe the CSU. What's what's that? The Comic Sans universe. Oh, I guess that makes more sense. <laughs> Well, uh, do you remember what you usually say at the end of these things, Yen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. This has been Comic Sense, and we'll see you on the next page. We never say this has been Comic Sense. Well, we, no, now we do. Bye. Bye. Oh, wait, I had to say, see ya. Uh, that was terrible. Thanks for listening to Comic Sense. This is an Andas Productions show hosted by Mao Yente and Nathaniel Ma and produced by Roshan Singh Sambi. Our cover art is by Isabel Fang. Follow us on social media at the links in the description and keep a lookout for Season 2 of Comic Sans coming soon to wherever you get your podcasts.